You're listening to a podcast of New Covenant Church. Join us Sundays at 10.30 a.m. in Pompano. Today in God's Word, for uh, the next couple months, we are going to be in the book of Jonah. And Jonah is an amazing book, an amazing story. We're going to be talking some about, uh, a lot about this over the next um, couple of months. Uh, if you're looking for Jonah in the Bible, if you're trying to find it, it is a tiny little thing. Like in my Bible, it's just here, just here and here. That's it. And um, <laughs> thank you. <laughs> um, and so if, if you're looking for like the location, you know, if you go to the center of the Bible, which is like the Psalms, if you go then to the right a while, um, it's not too far behind the New Testament. So if you've gone to Micah, you've gone too far, um, and it's after all those big prophet books. Uh, so good luck finding it. Hopefully you'll, you'll get there. <laughs> if you have a phone or any Bible, there should be a table of contents. You can find it. And so here's what's happening. Today is going to be kind of an introductory to the book. So um, I'm going to be reading, I'm not going to read the whole book to you, to us, but we are just going to, I'm going to kind of do the Cliff's Notes version, this kind of summary of selected texts from it. And so the, the texts are going to be on the screen. And uh, since this is a little bit longer, I'm just going to have you stay uh, seated. Normally we stand when we read God's Word, but we're just going to, uh, this is going to take a little bit longer, but it's going to give us a flavor for the entire storyline, because this is a story, and it cannot be just sectioned off into chapter one, chapter two, chapter three. It is a narrative that I think it's going to be helpful for us, and then we're going to go bit by bit through it over the next couple months. Um, and so, starting off in Jonah 1, I'm going to read verses 1 through 5, and then some sections throughout, but it's all going to be on the screens for you. It's going to be in your Bible, and um, so just follow along with me. Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and call out against it, for their evil has come up before me. But Jonah rose to flee to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. He went down to Joppa and found a ship going to Tarshish. So he paid the fare and went on board to go with them to Tarshish, away from the presence of the Lord. But the Lord hurled a great wind upon the sea, and there was a mighty tempest on the sea, so that the ship threatened to break up. Then the mariners were afraid, and each cried out to his God. We're going to jump to verse 11 and 12. Then they said to him, what shall we do to you that the sea may quiet down for us? For the sea grew more and more tempestuous. And he said, Pick me up and hurl me into the sea, then the sea will quiet down for you, for I know it's because of me that this great tempest has come upon you. Verse 17, and, uh, excuse me, verse 15. So they picked up Jonah and hurled him into the sea, and the sea ceased from its raging. Verse 17, and the Lord appointed a great fish to swallow up Jonah, and Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. We're going to jump to uh, chapter 2, verse 10. And the Lord spoke to the fish, and it vomited Jonah out upon the dry land. 
chapter 3, verses 1 through 3. Then the word of the Lord came to Jonah the second time, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and call out against it the message that I tell you. So Jonah arose and went to Nineveh according to the word of the Lord. Now Nineveh was an exceedingly great city, three days' journey in breadth. Verse 5, And the people of Nineveh believed God. They called for a fast. They put on sackcloth from the greatest of them to the least of them. Verse 10, when God saw what they did, how they turned from their evil way, God relented of the disaster that he had said he would do to them, and he did not do it. Verses 1, 2, and 3 of chapter 4, but it displeased Jonah exceedingly, and he was angry, and he prayed to the Lord and said, O Lord, is this not what I said when I was yet in my country? That is why I made haste to flow to Tarshish, for I knew that you are a gracious God and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and relenting from disaster. And then finally, verse 11, and should I not, and the Lord said, should I not pity Nineveh, that great city in which there are more than 120,000 persons who do not know their right hand from their left and also much cattle? Let's pray. Oh God, this story, uh, it means so much. There's so much here. Help us to, to learn from you, to grow in you, to be changed by you. Teach us who you are in greater ways, Lord. We need you. I pray now that you would use my words to strengthen each person who's here and who's listening that they wouldn't be my words, but yours. By your Spirit's power, we pray in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. When I was young, I, um, I, I loved like Saturday morning cartoons. That, that was a thing. I, I don't quite think it's a, as much a thing anymore. Um, certainly the amount of opportunities and outlets to watch cartoons is, is a lot greater now than it was back then. But I loved cartoons, and, and some of my favorites, I, I grew up in the 80s, 90s, and I loved uh, Transformers, I loved G.I. Joe, I loved X-Men and, and, um, and others. And uh, since we're on, this is the segment where we talk about cheesy 80s cartoons, I have, a, I have a picture of one of my favorites from, from back then, and I don't know if any of you know this character, but he was amazing, okay? Yeah, I hear some Thundercats references coming out of your lips. This is lion okay? And the thing with these cartoons is they're still around, and you can watch them thanks to technology and, and all the, the greatness of, of these other platforms that we have. And so sometimes my kids will like stumble upon them and be like, oh, this is the best cartoon. <laughs> and this was one of them recently that I was like, oh, we got to watch an episode or something. And we turned it on, and man, it was bad. <laughs> I mean, it was really bad. <laughs> and I mean, and my kids are just dying. They're like, this is what you liked? This, is, this, is, this was amazing to you? I was like, 
Yeah, it was, it was amazing. It was so good. I mean, the sword would like grow and then he would shoot things out of it and he would go beat the enemy. And, and just like the animation, everything was so cheesy, so bad. But back then it was amazing. And so th- this is like, you know, my new life as I'm, I'm getting older and, you know, my kids are trying to like merge worlds. And, you know, I, I talk about this because you can take Lionel down. Talk about this because we sometimes treat Jonah like an old cheesy cartoon. Jonah is a, is a popular story that name means things, right? Like people know about Jonah. Even people who don't believe in God, don't have a history in the faith, they, there's something, like Jonah has made its way into our culture in, in one way or another. And maybe you've never heard of Jonah, and this is the first time, it's great, and you got a taste of it, and we're going to go through the whole book over the next couple months. But we, we can look at Jonah like this fairy tale, like this old cartoon, like, oh, that was cute when I was a kid, it was a great bedtime story. But, you know, it, it, it doesn't mean anything to me today. Because we, we see Jonah as this kind of storyline, like, really, we kind of pick it up at the beginning when, in, when he gets eaten by the fish. That's like the fish. That's, that's what we think of when we think of Jonah. That's even why in our graphic, we have this little, like, artistic whale tail thing here. Um, and... We treat Jonah like this, like, okay, Jonah was a guy, he got eaten by a fish, and then he lives in the fish for three days, or a whale, and then the whale spits him onto the beach, and then he's happy he's alive and go does what, you know, he's supposed to do. It's it's not the story. I mean, it's in there, that's part of the story, but it is so much more than that. See, we, we have to remember, like, this is a book of the Bible. It's in God's Word. It was preserved in God's Word for a reason. It wasn't preserved just so we could put our kids to bed with this story of fish and, you know, like scaring our kids like, this is what happens when you run away from God. Can't do it. Don't disobey. Big fish is going to eat you. You know, like Jonah was one of God's prophets. That was a big deal. <laughs> There's not many of them. And it's such a big deal that it was brought up again in the New Testament when Jesus is talking. It's crazy. Like, this little two-page story is so massively important. And there's so much that we need in this story to learn from this story. Things that affect our lives, that relate to our lives today. Issues of faith and issues of, of race and shame and anger and, and nationalism and like all, all stuff that kind of swirls around us, in us and around us. We, we can learn a lot from Jonah. And I think, so, so my hope is that we see the book of Jonah with, with brand new eyes. And one of the biggest things I think that we can learn from this book, or at least we, we see this element uh, uh, that we can relate to, 
is this, that there are times in life when God doesn't make sense. Maybe you're like, God always makes sense. Well, yes, and from his perspective, and he's perfect, he's right, he's always doing the good thing, the right thing. But from our perspective, things happen in life and we go, "That that just doesn't make any sense. We think things like, well, I would never do it that way. I would never. And here you have a prophet of God who was, his whole world was to just hear from God and to do what God says. And here he's hearing from God and says, no, that's not right. I, I, I'm going to do something else. Because in his mind, God was not making sense, or at least whatever it was, was not enough to get him moving in the direction that God wanted to, God wanted for him to move. And so, what happens? God kind of chases Jonah around a little bit, because Jonah had something that he had to do. And we see Jonah just getting angry and, and pouting and throwing a tantrum and, and, and really almost wanting to kill himself just so he did not have to do the thing that God wanted him to do. And so I, mean, I think this is very relatable to, to us, to our life, because we are constantly faced with these questions of like, well, what does God want for me? And, and if, if he does want this for me, I, I kind of like I like it when he wants me to do this, but I really hate it when he wants me to do that. And we, we start to build these categories about where we're going to obey, where we're going to follow him, and where we're not. And sometimes, God, just when he is working something perfect and right in our lives, it just doesn't make sense to us. So what do we do? When he doesn't make sense. See, this story is God teaching Jonah about who he is, about who God is. He's teaching Jonah and he's teaching us about about himself, about his character. (laughs) Specifically as it relates to his compassion. God's compassion. His mercy. See, God's not making sense to Jonah, and so Jonah tries to take things into his own hands. And God is trying to show him, show Jonah who he is, who God is in his life, specifically as it relates to his compassion, his mercy. And sometimes trying to understand who God is just doesn't make sense to us. He is so different than us. He is so much other than, greater than us, that he, when he acts, just can look funny. And when, when we start thinking about how God's mercy and God's justice intersect, that's where it gets really confusing for us. And that's what got confusing for Jonah. And we're going to unpack that as we go through t- today and, and in the future. But see, as we go through this study and we see God's compassion, as we see his mercy expressed throughout this little story, we want that compassion and that mercy to be expressed in us and through us. It's not 
the fairy tale. It's not the bedtime. It is a lesson. It's a lesson for us of, of, of something that has happened in history where we can take from and go, okay, this is how God acted with Jonah, and Jonah was, was, was a man, not unlike us, in the way that he relates to God, and it's so much that we can learn from this. And so as we go through this study for the next few couple months, I want you to consistently be thinking about something, and I want you to be looking for something. Three things I want you to look for. I want you to look for, as we go through this study, I want you to look for compassion, I want you to look for yourself, and I want you to look for Jesus. What do I mean? I want you to look for compassion. I want you to look for God's amazing compassion that he has for his creation, and see it every time that we open up this book, every time that we start talking about this. I want you to think about, because this is, that's what this story is about. This is about God's compassion. I want you to see God's compassion in a whole new way. And I also want you to look for yourself in the story. Because we're in this. See yourself in Jonah. And what we're looking for are not the, not the good things, really. It's, it's how we connect, how we relate to Jonah in, in not his finest moments. And then ultimately, we're going to be looking for Jesus in this story. You're like, well, Jesus wasn't in this story. He doesn't come for a while later. Yeah, you're going to see how Jesus is a part of this story. We're going to, we're going to see Jesus as the, the better Jonah the true Jonah, the greater Jonah. Because we're not going to leave this story going, well, as long as I'm not like Jonah, things are going to be okay. Or if I was only a little better than Jonah. No, 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 that's not it. It's never the point of the Old Testament figures. The Old Testament figures are there to point us to the greater of who they are, whether it's Samson, David, Moses, Abraham, Jonah, the greater Jonah came for us. So we're going to be looking at those and thinking about that. I want you to be thinking about that as we go through this, uh, this series. So let me, let me give us a, a little overview of the book of Jonah. I know I just read it, but I'm, I'm going to say it again, some things. I want, I want to fill in some blanks, and then we're going to talk about how this story is going to impact us, not just today, but as we go through the next couple of months and hopefully our whole life. So a little overview of Jonah. Jonah, the man, is a prophet of God. I said that. God's prophets were there to be the mouthpiece of God to the people. So God would talk to the prophets. The prophets would talk to the people and say, you know, you got to do this, you got to do that. You're not doing this too well. We need to do this a little bit more. And so God tells this prophet, tells Jonah, I want you to go to Nineveh, tell them to repent. Okay, so that, that's a big deal. And we'll get to this in more detail another, another week. But Nineveh was the capital of the Assyrian Empire. And the Assyrians were, as far as the Bible goes, the bad guys of the Bible. Okay, they were... They were wicked. They were ruthless. They were the enemies of God's people. The Assyrians were, were, were hostile, aggressive, ruthless. 
And so God says, look, their wickedness has come up to me. I want you to go to them. I want you to tell them they need to repent of their ways. And Nineveh is the capital city. It's a big city, 120,000 people, which would have been huge for that day. Modern day, we'd think of northern Iraq. That's, that's where he's needing to go. So instead of going, Jonah tries to run away from God. And what do you do when you want to run from God? You get on a boat. That's, that's what you do. No, it's not what you do, but that's what he did. He gets on a cargo ship that's heading the complete opposite direction from Nineveh, and God sends this big storm, and there are the, you know, the, peop- the, the boaters, the sailors, the mariners that are running this ship, and they're going, this, this storm. Look, anytime in Scripture when you see boat people scared of the, the water, you know it's a big deal because they lived this, man. They saw all kinds of storms and rough waters, and when they get scared, you know that it's, it's bad, right? The, the Bible here, it says tempestuous, right? It was, it was wild, big storm. So God sends this big storm. The sailors are terrified. They, they want to row to land. They can't. They're asking Jonah, like, are you the reason for this? And he's like, yeah, actually, I think I am. And they're like, what do we do to stop this? They're like, he's like, throw me over. If you throw me over, everything will be okay. And so they do. <laughs> they throw him over. Jonah's in the water. And then here's the part everybody knows. God sends a big fish, a great fish. It's a miraculous event, right? Swallows up Jonah. He lives in the fish for three days, which we go, how is that possible? Um, well, if we believe the resurrection of Easter is possible, then it's, we, can, we can make some uh, allowances here for Jonah's, this miraculous account of Jonah in the whale, uh, the fish. So he's in there three days, has some time to think. God then tells the fish, spit him out. The fish spits him out. He's on dry land. And then God says, now please go do what I've asked you to do. <laughs> go to Nineveh, tell them to repent. He goes, declares in this city, enemy territory, that God is going to do something terrible to them if they don't repent within 40 days. And the unthinkable happens, they repent. So Jonah, you'd think would be happy. He's not happy. He actually, you know, like crosses his arms and marches off the way from the city, sits on a hill looking at the city, thinking maybe it's still going to blow up. Doesn't blow up, and he's like, God, I knew it. I knew it. I knew you'd be like this. I knew this is, you were going to spare them because this is what you do. <laughs> and then you see this final conversation between God and Jonah where the story ends and God asking Jonah, shouldn't I have compassion on these people? It's, it's a strange ending to a strange story that says so, I mean, when God doesn't make sense, right? I mean, this is it. Like, there's so much happening in this that doesn't make sense to us. I mean, a lot of questions. Why does God care about Nineveh so much? Why, uh, why the storm? Why the fish? And honestly, why does he put up with Jonah? As we go through this, I mean, any one of us, if Jonah was acting, one of our kids was acting like Jonah to us, or if, if we had a Jonah in our life just constantly combating. I mean, if you're God, you'd just be like, next, you know, I can get someone else to do this. See, all Jonah could see, all he could see was, was this evil 
people group, this nation, Assyria, the city, Nineveh, enemies of his people. They, in his mind, they deserved God's justice. And when I say justice, they, in his mind, they deserved his, his punishment, an act of punishment. That's one form of justice. Jonah wants God's justice to rain down on these wicked, wicked people. But God wants to show them mercy. He wants to show them compassion. And it just doesn't make sense to Jonah. You see, that, that's why we, we need to see the story that's underneath the story, the story behind the story. We, we read this, and, and we, at, a, at, a, at a quick glance, we just see you know, these kind of funny things happening, Jonah running from God, fish, storm, you know, kind of a reboot. Okay, go do it now. And then we get to the end, and there's, you know, a worm and a plant, and we didn't talk about a lot of that yet. <laughs> and you just, it is an interesting story. But we have to see the story underneath the story, the story behind the story, which is, this is not a story about running from God. It's not. Or what happens when you run from God. I mean, that's in there. But that's not the main point of the story. I, <laughs> I've been joking with Cody, um, as he's been wanting to leave, uh, I was like, there was another guy who tried to run from God. Be on the lookout for fish. <laughs> we were flying over Haiti together, and we were looking down. There was ocean. I was like, see any, see any great fish down there? Like it, it's coming. But even in my joking, I, like it's, that's not what the story's about. It's not. We're, you know, we're, we're having fun. But there's a story behind the story. This is a story of compassion, not from Jonah, not from the main character in the story. It's actually a, a story of compassion, for, uh, of God's compassion. You'd think the main character in the story would be the one to show compassion, would be the one who cares about uh, mercy, but it is I mean, he's God's prophet, he's God's representative on earth, and he's the one person in the whole story who doesn't show any compassion. To him, God's not making any sense, and so he wants no part of it. Compassion is the last thing that he wanted to see come to these people. He wanted punishment. He wanted vengeance. He wanted what he thought was justice. And this is one of those times where we can ask ourselves, like, do you see yourself in that story? Who do you want to see punished? Who are you waiting to give justice to? Do you see yourself aligning with Jonah? How do you respond when God doesn't make sense? Do you run? Do you get angry? Are you wanting justice when God's actually wanting mercy? You see, justice, we, we think of justice ten, generally in this sense, right? You do something wrong, you pay for what you've done. Get what you deserve. Mercy and compassion is 
seeing the hurt in someone, seeing the trouble in someone's life, and, and wanting to give relief, coming to help give relief. And so we see these two things at odds. And so we have to be able to see ourselves in Jonah, and, and we, we have to be able to admit that sometimes we have a hard time reconciling these two concepts. And I think that if we're honest, we would say this, that we'd rather receive mercy than give it, and we'd rather give justice than receive it. Right? We all want mercy. You're driving around on the road. You accidentally cut someone off or, you know, you're checking your text and you kind of swerve into the lane and, you know, someone honks like, oh, you know, give me a break. This is really important. If you're the other side of that equation and someone's swerving into your lane, cutting you off, you see them type in on their phone when they should be driving justice. Where's the police? If I ran this, this person needs a reminder. So when I pull past them, I'm going to look at them. (laughs) Then they'll know to never do that again. Or we go further, right? Like, I'm not going to look at them. I'm going to swerve into them. You know, like, to, like we, we, want to, we want to receive mercy, but we don't really want to give it too much. And we want to, to, to give justice. We don't really want to receive justice, right? We don't want what we deserve. We want mercy, and that is our life, man. And that's Jonah, blind to his own need for forgiveness because of the hatred he had towards his enemy. That, that hatred blinded him. And all he wanted was, was justice for them, punishment, vengeance. God says, no, I want mercy for them. He's like, no, no, no. I'm out. And God wanted to do a work in his life, and it just did not make sense. But this is God's prophet. I mean, he, he should have known better. So if we were going to give a grade to Jonah... Like good prophet or bad prophet, scale of you know, 1 to 10. From this story alone, it's not high marks. Jonah, honestly, in this sense, is a, is a really terrible example of a prophet. And so the question is, well, why is his story preserved for us? Why is it so popular? It's because Jonah's life is about more than his story here in this book. See, his life is about, is about an arrow. It's about pointing to something else, pointing to something bigger, something better, pointing forward to another man, a future prophet, a future preacher of repentance, a future Jonah, but a better Jonah. See, his life points to Jesus. There aren't many Old Testament prophets who make it into the New Testament by name, but Jonah's one of those. Jesus talked about Jonah. This is, this is the, the part in, in the Gospels. It's in Matthew. It's also in Luke, but this is Matthew 12. And the enemies of Jesus were trying to trap him. They wanted to see a sign. They're like, oh, you, you say you're this. Show me a sign. Show me that you can do miracles. Show me that you're so powerful. And this is, what we, this is what Jesus says. He says, But he answered them, An evil and adulterous generation seeks for a sign, but no sign will be given to it except the sign of the prophet Jonah. For just as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of the great fish, 
So will the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. The men of Nineveh will rise up at the judgment with this generation and condemn it, for they repented at the preaching of Jonah. And behold, something greater than Jonah is here. Something greater than Jonah is here. That's, that's it, man. That, Jonah was preparing the way for something greater. And we can't go into all the ins and outs of what that whole section I just read means, what Jesus was talking about. But at, at the foundational level, he is saying this. He's like, I have come to do what Jonah could not do or to do more than what Jonah could do. Jonah came in and, and preached to a city and they actually listened you know, for a little while and God relented but it was not complete. It wasn't everything that, because the Assyrians didn't all of a sudden become this believing nation. Jesus comes and does what Jonah could not do. He does what only he could do as the son of God, which is preach a message of repentance that would lead to not just life right now, but life eternal. See, Jonah's story, as we read it, it, it leaves us wanting more. It leaves us with a whole. It leaves us wishing Jonah was better, wishing the world was better, wishing we were better. So Jonah's story is given to us to point to the one who is better, who makes the world better, who, who takes all of our pain and our scars and our hurt and our injustice and makes it better. It's Jesus He takes our confusion and, and he makes it better. When God doesn't make sense, he's the answer to that it not making sense. He is the answer to our confusion with justice and mercy. Because I know, I know, as I've been talking about this, there's some in here or some who are listening who are saying, look, Adam, yeah, you're saying, I'm frustrated because you're not pointing to the fact that God does execute judgment or justice at times. Maybe you've been frustrated because you're like, look, God cares about justice too. He has to deal with evil. He has to deal with his enemies. You're right. That's Jesus. That was God's solution to his justice and mercy. God's ultimate act of compassion and mercy was that he poured out all of his justice on his son, on Jesus, so that all those who were enemies of God would become friends, would become sons and daughters, would become family with the creator. Jesus brings justice to our world, not by wanting his enemies dead, but by wanting to die for his enemies so that they could have life. You see, this is, this is different than what we want And when we start to understand the message of the gospel, to see, we, we see that without Jesus, I am God's enemy. It says it all through the New Testament that while we were enemies, Christ died for us. And I know that we want to think that we, we have some bit of goodness in us that, that God looks at and is like, yeah, he's not so bad and I'm, I'm going to love him. It's just not the story of the scriptures. The story is that we were hopeless. 
lifeless enemies of God. God sends his son for us so that we would have life, so that he would make an enemy his friend. That is the good news of the gospel. You see, the gospel is not good news if we don't understand that bad news part. The bad news is that we were in trouble, (laughs) dead, if God doesn't intervene. So thank God that he intervenes and he comes for us. That's That's the message of the gospel. And the justice that times we wish God would rain down on our enemies should have rained down on us. But because God is so merciful, he gave all that justice to Jesus so that we could live. That doesn't make sense. Of all the things in our life that we, we go, oh God, you're not making any sense. That's the big one, man. That's the one that should drive us to our knees because it doesn't make sense. It's too good. Our greatest needs being met by our creator who at one time we were enemies with and he comes and makes us friends. See, and here's what it does for us. This changes now the way that we see mercy and justice. For us now, justice is not payment for wrongdoing. For us and for God, as God talks about justice in the scriptures, we see justice as People being treated equally. Justice is God, God's image in all of creation and us wanting to see that, that image thrive and flourish so that we don't treat people with bias. We don't treat people according to what we think they deserve because of some measuring table that we have. See, God then wants us to be agents of mercy. As we understand his mercy and justice, we then are to be agents of mercy and justice to see that Jesus is the answer to all the confusion surrounding mercy and justice. And I'm going to ask the the team to come on up. You see, look, here's what happens. Here's what I want us to think about as we close. There are going to be times when God doesn't make sense. <laughs> There's going to be a lot of times. When life doesn't make sense, God is doing things, we just don't understand what he's doing. Maybe you're in that moment right now. You're sitting here going like, I, I have no idea what he's doing. I don't know why he's doing it. I don't... When God doesn't make sense, I want you to think of Three things. This will be to help us as we go to put some application in here. When God doesn't make sense, I want you to do three things. I want you to ask, I want you to allow, and I want you to answer. Okay, what do I mean? I want you to ask in that, the first step, I want you to ask God to open your eyes, to, to reveal to you, to show you where you are more like Jonah instead of Jesus. To show, you where you, to show you where you need him to change your thinking. Because if things don't make sense, it's, it's not him. It's not his fault. It's us. It's the way we process. It's our expectations. See, Jonah was so 
thrown off because at some point he could not reconcile how God could be so loving and forgiving to such a wicked people and still be considered just. Jonah had in some ways created this this new God, this fake God, this false God that wants to destroy and kill his enemies and bless the people he thinks should be blessed. Do you see yourself in that? Man, we have a hard time. If you're not like me, if you don't think like me, if you don't vote like me, if you don't look like me, be gone from me. God, get them. But if you fit into the if you fit into the sphere, if you fit into the circle, if you're in the club, if you're with us, if you're with me, now it's mercy, compassion, and we, we just have to get past this because we've, we've, created, we've created a God at times in our own image that we want to agree with us with everything that we agree with and disagree you know, with the people who disagree with us. And so we get into this Jonah mindset, this fake God where God kills bad people and blesses good people. We need God to show us our own need for constant forgiveness that we fail God, that we sin against God, that we are broken. And it's not us and them. It is, it is, it is us in need of God's mercy on our lives. And so when, when God doesn't make sense in some of these areas, we need to ask God, God, would you show me? Show me where I'm missing it. Show me where I, I'm, 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 I've created a fake you. And he will show you. And then I want you to do this. I want you to allow God to be God. Ask him to show you. And then when he shows you, allow him to to do his thing. Okay, he's going to do it anyway. I'm just like, meaning get on board with him. Okay, he's described pretty clearly in, in these pages. Anything outside of these pages is that you get that might seem like, oh, this is God. God's different now or he's new now no no he's here and we need to allow God to be God we need to allow him to mold us into his image we don't want to make him in our image allow him to do things that make you really uncomfortable it's going to be uncomfortable the real God a God that creates us in his image is going to disagree with us at times. He's going to ask us to do some things at times that we don't want to do. We need to allow God to be God in our lives. And when we come in contact with those moments where he just seems like, no, God, you'd never go tell me to go talk to the Assyrians. But he really is telling you to do that. We need, to, we need to do it. We need to, we need to let him be who he is and allow him to not make sense sometimes. But that brings us to the final thing. We're gonna, then we answer. We answer the call. 
We're going to ask him to show us, to reveal himself to us. We're going to allow him to be him, and then we're going to answer the call. When he shows us who he is and we see what he's called us to do, we're going to go do it. We're going to answer the call. We're not just going to sit back and and wait. We're going to go. We're going to be agents of mercy, agents of justice. And again, justice in the sense of treating people according to how he sees them. The right kind of justice goes side by side with mercy. We care about the dignity of people, God's creation, seeking the care and protection of the most vulnerable, treating people without bigotry, without prejudice, and actually actively pursuing the well-being of others, even if it doesn't make sense, even if it rubs against our our opinions at times and the way that we see the world but God is telling us to put those things aside because they're secondary because primary is this is someone made in God's image this is what Jesus did for us we could not have been more different than him more hostile but he saw Through his love, he saw us as his creation, as his future, as his bride, and he pursued us, and he died for us, and he loves us still. Do you believe that? Have you believed that? Do you trust in that? Because when you trust in that, it will change everything. Let's stand together. If you do not know Jesus as your God, as your Lord, if you have not put your hope and trust in him, today is the day. All you have to do is say a simple prayer and just say, God, Jesus, I need you. I am a sinner. Forgive me for my sins. I need saving. I trust you as the Lord of my life. If you pray that, It's the beginning of a whole new existence, a whole new life, a whole new world of things not making sense. But it's an exciting journey of faith and it is a step-by-step life of faith. God will continue for all of us to make ways where there, it seems impossible, it seems, it doesn't make sense and he says, go anyway. And so we take that step and he leads us and he's faithful. Where is God calling you to take that step? Run to him, believe in him, trust him with everything. And he will never fail. It may not always make sense, but he will always, always, always be faithful. Let's sing, church.